0: I know that we've had a lot of kind of other stuff going on during our regular Wednesday night services, all good stuff. You know, we've had revival. We've had some other stuff and praise God for all those things. Probably have a couple other breaks as we go this summer. I know in two weeks we've got baptism, but I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is still wanting me to continue on our journey to the cross. So whether we have a break here or a break there, he wants to lead us back to the cross. Because I believe with all of my heart that the direction God gave me at the beginning of the year is where he wants me to continue to take to you or take you to church. And that's the cross, because at the cross is where God poured out his love into our life. At the cross is where we find everything that we need. Amen. At the cross is where we find hope, where we find peace, forgiveness. So we're going to continue our journey. We're going to continue that again tonight. But before we go on, let's pray one more time and ask God to direct us. Amen. Father God, we just thank you that you are our everything. Thank you, Father God, that there is no shortage in heaven. There's nothing that's impossible for you. There's no need, no struggle, no storm, no giant, no obstacle in our life that you can't overcome. Uh, No measure, no gap too wide that you can't fill, Father God. And I pray that you would just do that again tonight. Fill your people. Fill us with your word. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your peace. Fill us with your anointing. God, I ask that you would do that with me especially, God. That you would fill me with your spirit, God. Your anointing, your truth, your wisdom, your strength. Father God, that we don't just occupy time and occupy space tonight, but that we truly become part of your plan this evening, part of your purpose, and that we would truly sense your presence. Have your way in our lives, God, so that you would be glorified. And let us leave here, Father God, a little richer than we came, a little stronger than we came, a little more filled with peace than when we came in, Father God. And we thank you for all of that. Thank you that you're able. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Just to catch us up, because we've covered a little bit of ground so far in this series, A Journey to the Cross, but just to catch us up, not going to spend a lot of time on it, but the first leg of our journey, if you recall, were four messages that I brought. The first lesson in this entire series was titled, The One All-Sufficient Sacrifice. And it is where we discovered uh, the Lamb that was finally good enough for God. It's where we discovered the One whose blood satisfied the Father forever. He was the One All-Sufficient Sacrifice. If you recall, the sacrifices in the Old Testament only lasted for 365 days, one year, and then they had to do it all over again. But when Jesus, who was the Lamb that was slain from the foundation, of the earth. That's who we were introduced to in lesson one. And he satisfied the father forever. The second lesson was entitled the cure for our condition. And that lesson reminded us that Jesus is the only cure for the spiritual condition of sin. Amen. Uh, we, We learned that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that Jesus is the only cure for that fallen condition. He's the only one that can raise us up and cure that spiritual condition called sin in our life. The third lesson was entitled Center Stage, Where the Cross Belongs. And in this lesson, we learned how the cross must always be central to our faith. It must be at the center of our prayer life. It must be at the center of our testimony. It must be at the center of our preaching. The cross must be at the center of our teaching. It must be at the center of our testimony, church. Because how many of you remember and understand that without the cross, we have no testimony. Without the cross, we have no story to tell. Without the cross, we'd be lost. We'd, we'd be blind. We'd still be overcome. But through the cross... Uh, we have found everything that we need, which was lesson number four, everything we need. And there we learned that at the cross and through Jesus Christ, we find everything that we need pertaining to life and righteousness. Just like we sang this evening, you are my everything. That's all because of the cross and the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that if God gave us His Son... How much more along with His Son will He not give us everything that we need? I want you to remember, church, because of the cross, there's no shortage in your life. I want you to understand because of the cross, there, there is no gap, there should be no gap in our life. There should be no emptiness in our life. Because through the cross of Jesus Christ, He's given us everything that we need. That was the first part of our journey that introduced us to the cross. It introduced us to the Lamb. It introduced us to, to the work of Jesus Christ. The second part of our journey we began several weeks ago, and that was the divine exchanges that took place upon the cross. Nine divine exchanges that have taken place or took place upon the cross, exchanges that that benefit us. Exchange one, real quick, was His punishment for our salvation. It was the very first exchange that took place on the cross. You all know it in Isaiah. He was was, uh, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment... The chastisement for our peace was placed upon his shoulders. That was exchange number one. Exchange number two was, and by his stripes we are healed. Because it's part of the same atonement. It was his stripes for our healing, and it took place on the cross of Jesus Christ. Exchange number three was his robe for our rags. It was His royal robe of righteousness for our unrighteous, wretched rags. I don't know about you, church, but, but it seems like we came out on the better end of that deal. Amen? So far, everything that we've learned, we always come out on the better end of the bargain. How many of you know when God comes to us and says, Hey, I've got a deal for you, we make out better. Amen? I want you to remember that when the devil comes to you or the world comes to you and says, Hey, i got a deal for you, You better understand that you're going to come out on the short end of the stick. But when Jesus makes a deal with us and God makes a deal with us, we're the ones that come out on the better end of the bargain. Today we're going to look at exchange number four. And that lesson is entitled, Life in Place of Death. Life in Place of Death. Now, I don't know how better of a bargain we can get, amen? That we would get life in place of death that we deserve, but that's what we're going to look at. One of the most important thoughts that we should always keep in mind as a Christian, one of the prevailing thoughts that always should run through our mind concerning our faith is the fact that it cost Jesus his life so that you and I might have life instead. Jesus died so that you and I might live. And that's the whole basis of this exchange that we're going to look at tonight. Because in John chapter 10, 10, Jesus tells us actually, or reminds us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have what? Life and have life more abundantly. You see, I want you to realize that Jesus didn't come just so you could have life Jesus came so that you might have life and have life more abundantly. That, that you might have life spiritually, that you might have life... Uh physically, that you might have life emotionally and mentally, so that you might have an abundant of life. Jesus didn't come just so you could get by. Jesus didn't come so your life could just be ho-hum. Jesus didn't come and offer up His life so that you and I could just have some kind of simple little life. God sent His Son so that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. The fact that the devil or the thief comes only to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. The thief, the devil, the enemy, our adversary, the Bible says, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, someone to consume, someone to destroy. The thief, the devil, he comes with one thing in his hand, and it's death and destruction. But Jesus comes so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you are thankful for life? Amen? How many of you are thankful that, that God gave us life instead of death? You see, the reality is, if that same Spirit, according to Romans 8, 11, if that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and me, the Bible says that we shall have life or, or it, it shall give life to our mortal bodies. If that same spirit that gave life to Christ dwells in you and dwells in me, we shall experience life. And we shall experience it more abundantly. Now, keep in mind, if, if that same spirit doesn't dwell in you, if you don't have Christ in your life, if you've never been to the cross, if, if you haven't received the spirit of God in your life, then you can't have life. And you can't have life more abundantly. You you can't be included in this equation. You see, life and life more abundantly comes only to those individuals who find themselves in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you are in me, you shall ask anything. And everything we need flows to us, through Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So the reality is we must be in Christ in order to experience that life. Amen? That same spirit that gave life to Christ dwells in you and me. We shall have life and not death. Jesus gave us his life, church, and we ought to give him some praise for that. Jesus offered up his life. I think we forget that sometimes, that Jesus laid his life down. The Jews didn't take it. The Romans didn't take it. The soldiers didn't take it. Jesus gave us his life. God gave us His Son and Jesus gave us His life and He's worthy of praise because of that. You see, the reality is if you truly understand what took place in this divine exchange, no one has to work up some praise in your life. When you begin to truly understand what took place on the cross of Jesus Christ, I don't have to beg you to worship and I don't have to prompt you to praise and I don't have to ask you and beg you to sacrifice something up to God. When you truly understand what took place on Golgotha's Hill, when you truly begin to understand this divine exchange that took place at Calvary, praise and worship and thanks giving will automatically become a part of your life. I truly believe one of the main reasons that the house of God isn't filled with the kind of worship it should be filled with and praise that it should be filled with and sacrifice that it should be filled with is that we don't understand this divine exchange. We don't truly understand that God gave us life in place of death. You see, the reality is you deserve death, and so do I. The reality is because of sin we deserve punishment, and we deserve to be destroyed. But Jesus stepped in on the scene, and He gave us life instead of death. Amen? And we can't forget that. You see, when we think about this divine exchange, life for death, or death for life, whichever way you want to think of it, we should think about Barabbas who himself was sentenced to die. You know, if you know the whole story, you know that Barabbas was sentenced to die that day. Barabbas was really the one that was supposed to be uh, at at Calvary. Barabbas was the one that was supposed to be hung on that cross that Jesus hung on. Barabbas was the one that actually deserved to die between those two thieves, one that blessed God and one that cursed God. I want you to understand that on that day that Jesus uh, hung on that cross at Calvary, someone else was supposed to be there. And his name was Barabbas, and his name was Jeff, and his name was Daryl, and his name was you, and his name was you. You and I are really Barabbas. And you and I were the ones that were supposed to hang on that cross. Barabbas was the one that deserved to die there. Barabbas was the thief. Barabbas was the murderer. Barabbas was the one filled with iniquity. Barabbas was the guilty culprit. And he's the one that deserved to die. But what happened? Jesus took his place. Jesus stepped in and gave him life Jesus could have negotiated His way out of the cross. Jesus could have forced His way out of the cross. Jesus could have exercised His divine power to to avoid the cross, but He didn't. He offered Himself like a lamb. He went silently to the slaughter, the Bible says. Jesus gave up His life for Barabbas, and He gave up His life for you and me as well. And we cannot forget that. We're the ones that deserve death. We're the ones that deserve to die. But Jesus stepped in. Please keep in mind, Jesus laid down his own life. He gave himself up, the Bible says, as a drink offering. In John 10:18, it says, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I hope you understand, there's no one that had the power to take Jesus' life. He was the Son of God. He was the Prince of Peace. He was the First and the Last. He was the Alpha and the Omega. He was the Son of God. No one had the power to take His life. No one had the authority to take His life. Jesus laid down His own life. He gave up His life so that you and I might live. He said, I lay it down willingly. And when we begin to understand that and truly comprehend the fact that Jesus offered up His life, He died so that we can live, it changes the way we live. It changes our faith. It changes our our thought process. It changes everything about us when we truly begin to grasp what Jesus did for us. He gave up His life. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He what? Gave. His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, would not die, but have everlasting life. God gave us His Son so that we would live and not die. You see, the reality is we were destined for destruction before Jesus came on the scene. We were destined to die spiritually in every other way that you can think of before Jesus came on the scene. We were destined for destruction. And everyone that doesn't have Christ in his life is still destined for destruction today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if He's not your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know that there is something coming into your life and it is called death, spiritual death. Spiritual separation from God, but God gave us His Son, willingly offered Him up so that we might not perish, but that we might have everlasting life. And that's a reason to give God praise. You see, I know we all learned that. It's probably one of the verse, first verses that we learned when we were five years old or six years old first came to Jesus Christ. And, and we know how to repeat it and we know how to say it, but I don't know if we really understand it. I don't know if we truly grasp the depths of what God did sometimes. He gave us His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him wouldn't perish, wouldn't be separated from Him forever, wouldn't end up living their entire eternity in this place called hell where there's gnashing of teeth and eternal fire. God gave us His Son so that we might live. Please understand that there's an enormous difference between what God gives us and what we deserve. There's a huge difference between what God gives us and what we deserve. Sometimes I think we forget, like I said, we deserved to die. I think we forget sometimes, church, that that, that that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think we forget sometimes that there are none that are righteous. No, not one, including me and including you. I think we forget sometimes, church, that... that That we deserve to die. I think we forget sometimes that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace isn't something that we deserve. Grace isn't something that we earned. It is the unearned favor of God. It is the undeserved favor of God. There's nothing you can do, nothing you have done, and nothing you can do that deserves God's grace. But everything we've done deserves God's punishment. Everything that we've done deserves God's destruction. And, and, and we got, we've got to keep that in mind, church. I think so often we walk around as, as, as children of God or as, as so-called Christians like we're all that in a bag of chips and that, that God should be so privileged that we are His children. That God is so, should, should be so honored that, that, that we are His glorious offspring. I think we walk around sometimes like that. God, you should be happy that I'm part of your family. God, you should be so pleased that me, myself, and I are are, are part of your kingdom. I think we forget, church, that in the midst of all of what we think is righteous and right in our lives, it's filled with rot. And it's all unrighteous. And it's not worthy of anything except destruction. It's not worthy of anything except the penalty of sin church. And we must keep that in mind. If you recall, the Bible tells us, and how many of you know, how many of you believe in the Bible? Okay. If you believe in the Bible, you got to believe everything that it says. This isn't the words of man. This isn't the mind of man. This isn't the opinion of man. This isn't the, uh, this isn't the panderings of, uh, of some unfamiliar, unrighteous people. This is the, the word of God this is the mind of God. This is God spoke these words, and, and, and man simply wrote down what these were breathed by God, not by man. And, and I think we even forget that sometimes. I think we forget that God spoke from heaven, that God opened his mouth in the halls of glory, and he spoke out some words to man that was sitting on earth. And he said, Write down these words, my words. I think we forget that sometimes. And the reason I think we forget that sometimes is because of how easily we overlook them and how easily we rebel against them and how easily we disobey them. I think if we truly understood that these were the words of God... That this was the spoken will of God and the written will of God. We'd be real careful how we live our lives. We'd be real careful how we act. But I think we forget sometimes that Jehovah God wrote these words. And it is the word of God that said this, for the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. The wages, church, of sin is death. But the the gift of God, the free gift of God, the the unearned, unmerited gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. You see, you can't earn life. It's through Jesus Christ. And we cannot forget that, church. I want you to look again at that word in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Please understand this. The payment for our sin is death. The earnings for our sin... Is death The compensation for our sin is death. The just reward, you might say, for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is what this transaction is all about. This is what this divine exchange is all about. Life in place of death, church. Remember, we've already learned that the Greek word, and I I want you to understand this as we go through this study, the Greek word that we've all already studied that God used for iniquity is avon. The Greek word for sin and iniquity is avon. And I want you to remember that the punishment for sin is the same exact word in the Greek. God did not differentiate. He did not use a different word for sin or iniquity and its punishment. It is the exact same word and the exact same language God used in the Greek. And I want you to understand why. It is because sin and its punishment cannot be separated. Sin and its punishment cannot be pulled apart. I know we would like to think that. But we can't. I know we think, well, if I sin today and I've gotten away with it for six months, that sin and punishment must not be linked. But remember, please, we've already learned it. Sin will always find us out. We will always reap what we sow. And the wages of sin is death. And the two cannot be pulled apart. I want you to remember that wherever there is sin, there is death right behind it. I want you to remember that wherever there is sin, the penalty and the punishment for that sin is right behind it. I want you to understand that where there is sin, there is death. I'll give you an example. You cannot separate the two. When a young couple that's not married sleeps together. Death is right behind its door. Whether it's a young couple or a middle-aged couple or or an older couple. I want you to understand that if they sleep together out of wedlock, God calls that sin. I want you to understand God calls it fornication. God calls it iniquity. And it breaks the heart of God. And it breaks the commandment of God. And when iniquity... Is sown. I want you to understand that the punishment for that iniquity is right behind it. Death always follows sin. In regards to this, couples sleeping together, especially a young couple, sleeping together out of wedlock. Death is right behind. Something always dies where there's sin. Virginity dies. Purity dies. Integrity dies. Uh, Mental stability and emotional stability dies. I used to work in ministry for a number of years, and every time a a young individual came to me and told me that they slept with someone out of wedlock, something in their life died. Something died. Their emotional stability died. Their mental stability died. They they lost that innocence and they lost that purity and something always dies on the heels of sin. When a married couple, when someone in that relationship enters into an adulterous affair, something dies, church. A marriage dies. A family dies. Trust dies. Integrity dies. But something always dies. You cannot sin and expect there not to be consequences to that sin. Death always follows sin. It might not be physical death, but death is sure to follow. And we must understand that, church. You cannot pull the these two apart. They are attached. They are one in the same, even according to the word God used to describe them. And I'm laying that foundation. So you get a better understanding of what took place during this exchange. So please keep this in mind. The reality is sin and death cannot be separated. They're one in the same and death will always follow the other. The reality is without the cross of Christ, we would all be dead. The reality is without the blood of Jesus Christ, we would all be dead. Without the obedience of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we would all be dead, church. We might be sitting here tonight. We might be lifting up some hands. We might be singing some songs. But without the blood and the cross and the work of Jesus Christ, we would all still be destined for destruction. We would all still be destined for death. Without Jesus Christ... Understand, without Jesus Christ to take away our sins, the punishment of sin would surely be upon us. And the wages of sin, like we've learned, is death. That's what we can expect. Anyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, anyone that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, anyone that has not sought His forgiveness, anyone that has not stepped into the fountain of His blood, will experience death somewhere in their life, especially eternal death. When the, when the trumpet sounds and we got to go stand before the Lord, we need to make sure that we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. But I say all that just to move on and give you a better understanding. Please grasp the Word of the Lord when it says the wages of sin is death. Death is what we deserve, church. Death is what we have earned for our sin. Not just us, all of mankind. Death is the, the proper compensation. For the sinfulness of man. Remember, wages are what we have earned for what we have done. That's what wages are. Wages are the payment for your production. If you have a job, you know. If you don't do your job, you don't get paid. Okay? So a wage is is the consequence. It's the payment for your production. Most of the time, you should be paid for what you produce. You produce a lot. You should get paid accordingly produce little you should get paid little I know there's a lot of individuals out there that think they can come in 20 minutes late and leave 20 minutes early and think they should get paid for all the for all those times that they missed and all all the work that they didn't do but that's a whole nother lesson and that's a whole nother story I just want you to understand that wages are the payment for our performance and receiving those wages is just receiving those wages is right receiving those wages is proper and it's acceptable. And the one who fails to pay would be considered unjust. Correct? An individual that that doesn't pay his employees, that doesn't compensate them for their performance would be considered unjust. Listen, if you worked all day, if you worked all week and come payday, your boss didn't give you a check, I don't think you'd be very happy. If you worked all week long, And you did a hard job and you didn't get paid for what you did in some form or fashion, whether it was a barter, whether it was a trade, whether it was a paycheck, whether it was money, whether it was housing, whether it was food, whether it was clothes, whatever it is. If there was no compensation for your performance, you would be upset. I would be too. We have to understand. I think you'd probably have a few choice words, and you'd probably think less of that individual for not paying you for your performance. And I know this might be hard to understand. I know we might not like this truth, but the reality is, in the same exact way, the Bible tells us that death is the just, proper, right compensation for our sin. It's what we deserve to be paid. I know we don't like that, but that's, that's what we deserve to be paid. And if God did not, this is what doesn't make sense to a lot of people. If God didn't pay that, if God didn't judge, if God didn't bring death, if, if, if God didn't allow judgment to follow after sin, He would not be a just God. He wouldn't be a just God. The reality is, the Bible says, God is not a man that He should lie He's not the Son of Man that He would change His mind. The Bible says when He speaks, He acts, and when He promises, He fulfills. And we already know what God promised. He promised, the fact is, the wages of sin is death. If you live a sinful life, I'm going to pay you what you deserve. That's death. That doesn't sound right, doesn't sound nice, but God said, look, if that's the life you want to live, I'm going to pay you. For what you deserve. And if you're going to live a life of sin, I'm going to pay you with death. But. If you accept Jesus Christ. But. If you're washed in the blood. But. If you believeth in Him. But. If you make your way to the cross. But, you understand what I'm saying? If you allow Jesus to step in and take your place, if you're willing to, to, to deny yourself and take up a cross and follow me, you shall have life instead of death. I'll pay you what you don't deserve. I'll give you what you don't deserve. I'll take away the punishment and I will give you life instead. This is what happened on the cross. This is the main crux of this divine exchange that took place on the cross of Calvary the reality is death must be paid for sin or God would not be just death must be delivered for sin or God would not be a just God he would be a liar and he would be a thief just the same way that God promises blessings to those who do certain things curses come the same way we want we we want our cake and we want to eat it too we want both sides, okay? We want God to bless us when we do what we're supposed to, but we don't want Him to curse us when we don't deserve it. We, want to, we always want to walk on the, on the good side of God, and, and whether I'm walking uh, right by Him, or whether I'm walking a million miles away, we still want all the blessings. But that's not the way God works, because He's a just God. And He's a righteous God. And we need to understand that just like He promises blessings, He promises that the wages of sin is death. And when we understand that, it gives us even a greater appreciation of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Unfortunately, there's a a lot of individuals that think that a just God wouldn't send someone to hell. That a just God wouldn't punish anybody. that That a just God wouldn't do something like that. You know, we've got a God of love and yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we wouldn't perish, but that we would have everlasting life. But I say all of that because I want you to understand that love and justice were both served up on the cross. We know that God demonstrated his love towards us. He demonstrated it. His love was served up on the cross. He lavished His love upon us, the Bible says. But I also want you to know that His justice was served upon the cross as well. Jesus died the death that God's justice demanded. How many of you know God always demands justice? Always. I don't want to lose you here and get too teachy here, but you have to grasp all of this. The reality is God demands justice. And Jesus died the death that God's justice demanded so that you and I could enjoy life and life more abundantly. The reality is you and I deserve to die. We didn't deserve life, and we certainly didn't deserve it more abundantly. But because of Jesus, because Jesus was willing to die or, or receive the penalty of sin that we deserved, we get life instead. God's justice and love were demonstrated upon the cross. He gave us the gift of life. How many of you know a gift is something completely different from wages? There's a huge difference between a gift and a wage. You can't earn a gift, you don't deserve a gift. The reality is, a gift doesn't have to be given because a gift isn't owed to you. You understand? God didn't owe us anything, God didn't owe us forgiveness. God didn't owe us grace. God didn't owe us mercy. It was a gift that he gave out of the goodness of his heart. It was a gift that came from just a a complete compassion for his people. But God didn't owe us anything. You know what he did? He actually did owe us one thing. That was death. He owed us punishment. He owed us, He owes sin, death and destruction. But the reality is, through His gift of love, He gave us life instead. God gave us His Son, and His Son gave up His life. God didn't have to give us His Son. He could have made us, you might want to say, cash the check instead. You see, the reality is, again, please understand wages. Just get it. Jesus cashed our check, you might say, when it came to sin. Jesus took our check, whose face value was death, and whose face value was destruction, and he went and cashed it himself. And, And he received death, and he received punishment instead of you and me. The reality is God could have made us cash that check. The reality is God could have made us receive our just reward, but he didn't. Jesus laid down his life so that you and I could live his death for our life. And like I said, when we begin to understand this in the depth of what Jesus did on the cross, I believe everything about our life changes. Listen, if you go through life crying the blues about everything that you go through in your life If you go through life whining and complaining and bickering and whang and whining all the time about the stuff that you go through. Complaining that life isn't fair and that God doesn't care. You obviously don't understand that the wages of sin is death. You obviously don't understand that if God gave us what we deserved, we would all be dead. Oh God, it's not fair. Oh God, don't you care? Listen to me, church. If He didn't care, we'd be dead. Because the reality is, if we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here tonight. If we truly got what we deserved, and if God really was fair, none of us would have any hope. All of us would be destined for destruction. But how many of you are glad that God doesn't give us what we deserve? He gives us what we need. He doesn't give us what we deserve because what we deserve is death. He gave us what we need, and what we needed was a lamb to be slain. What we needed was a one all-sufficient sacrifice. What we needed was a cure for our condition. What we needed was a cross. What we needed was a precious lamb of God that was able to take away the sins of the world. It's what we needed, church. God gave us what we needed and not what we deserved. And when we begin to understand that and implement that truth in our life, our life changes, church. It becomes less self-centered. It becomes less selfish. It becomes less grumbling and complaining because we have this constant understanding each and every day. God, it's it's only because of Your mercy that I'm breathing today. It's only because of Your grace that I'm walking today. It's only because of Your grace that I'm enjoying fellowship with You today because I don't deserve anything. I thank You, God, for Your grace and I I thank You for Your mercy. I, I thank You for Your sacrifice. You see, when we truly begin to understand what Jesus did for us, our mouth becomes filled with praise and our our feet become filled with dancing and, and, and our life becomes filled with service. Church, when we truly grasp what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, Remember, He could have called 10,000 angels and delivered death to you and me. He could have delivered death to every Roman soldier. He could have delivered death to everyone that surrounded the cross because they deserved death. But what did He do? Gave up His life. So that we might live instead. He actually uttered the words, forgive them. He offered us life instead of death. It's what this divine exchange is all about, church. It is the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And He gave us what we needed and not what we deserved. Please understand, this is what you have to grasp. You can't earn life. You can't earn the the kind of life that I'm talking about. You can't earn life and and life more abundantly. You can't perform good enough to acquire life. You can't perform good enough to, 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 to acquire God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercies which are new every morning and His loving kindness which endures from generation to generation to generation. You can't earn it. You can't perform good enough to receive it in your life. You can't buy it. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. You can't buy life and life more abundantly. You can't negotiate your way into into the kind of life that Jesus is talking about. I don't care how good of a a negotiator you are. I don't care what kind of million dollar deals you you might perform on a weekly basis. You can't negotiate your way into life and life more abundantly. You can't find some other roundabout way into life and life eternal, church. You know the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And there is no way to my Father except through me. You and I need to understand that. There is only one way to life. And it is through the cross of Jesus Christ it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're living your entire Christian life thinking thinking this, well if I'm good enough today, I'll have life. No you won't. You'll have struggles. You'll have condemnation wrapped all around you. You'll have guilt and shame following you all around instead of goodness and mercy. Because goodness and mercy only comes from God. You can't earn it, church. It comes through the work and the blood of Jesus Christ. If that's the way you live your life, if I can be good enough, if I just don't do this, and if I just do enough of that, then, then I can experience life. No. It's not how it works. If I, you know what your prayer, if that's you, you know what your thought should be and your word should be and your prayer should be? God, give me a better understanding of the work of your son Jesus Christ. Give me a better understanding and insight and revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ and, and the cross of Calvary because it's through the cross that I have life. It's through the blood that I have life. It's through his goodness and his work that I have life. Give me a greater understanding of that, God, and your life will change. Stop struggling to perform for God. You can't perform good enough to receive His grace. Jesus took our place and received the payment for our sin. Remember, as I, I'm going to start winding down in just a minute, but remember, Jesus took our place and received the payment for our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, and we've already learned it, He who knew no sin, He who knew no sin... Was spotless, who had no guilt within him, who was pure as pure can be, holy as holy can be, pure, spotless, innocent, no guilt. He who knew no sin, he who was the son of the righteous and holy God, he who knew no sin, was made sin on our behalf so that we might have life, so that we might experience his righteousness. The one who had no sin was made sin. I hope you understand this, church. Listen, our sin... Here's what you need to learn before I begin to close. Our sin had to be placed on Jesus so that God's judgment, remember, sin and punishment, sin and death, sin and judgment, hand in hand, can't be pulled apart. The only way that you and I could avoid the punishment of sin, the consequence of sin, the death that sin brings, the the destruction that sin brings, the only way that you and I could avoid it, you can't pull it apart... So something had to happen with that sin. It had to be taken away by someone else. It had to be transferred somewhere else. And our sin was transferred onto Jesus Christ. And if sin, iniquity, was transferred onto Jesus Christ, guess what else was transferred? The punishment, the guilt, the death. The destruction, it was transferred onto Jesus at the same time. You and I need to understand that, church. Sin had to be placed on Jesus so that God's justice and God's compensation for sin could be transferred and placed on Jesus as well. Our wickedness, our filthiness, our unrighteousness, our uncleanness, our iniquity, our sin had to be placed on Jesus so that God would be just in placing the judgment of those sins on Jesus as well. I know that that might sound teacher confusing, but listen. God had no reason to kill Jesus. God had no reason to send Jesus to the cross. He was innocent. It would have been completely unjust for Jesus to die on that cross unless there was a reason for Him to die. And the reason was he was made sin. He took our filth, our guilt, our murders, our unrighteousness, our iniquity, our uncleanness, our impurities. He took them on himself so God would be justified in allowing him to die. We must understand that, church, because you can't pull the two apart. Jesus had to be made sin. So that the judgment for sin could rest upon His shoulders as well. And unless the judgment rested upon Jesus, we couldn't have life. This is what took place on the cross of Jesus Christ, church. If Jesus didn't take our sin upon Himself, we could not have life. Because death would still be owed to you and me. If Jesus didn't become sin, death would still be owed to you and me. And what is... That would be the punishment. I hope you're grasping this, church. I hope you're understanding. Jesus had to become sin so that the punishment could be transformed onto Jesus as well. We must remember, someone had to die We have to remember that death always follows sin and someone had to die, even in the Old Testament. Remember, everything in the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. It was a shadow of Christ. And the reality is, if you remember in the Old Testament, if you sinned, if I sinned, if anyone in your family sinned, we had to take a lamb. We had to take a ram. We had to take an offering and we had to go to the priest and we had to give the, the lamb to the priest. And a, a, as 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 a symbolic gesture, we would lay our hands on the head of the lamb and that would symbolically transfer our sins onto that lamb. And then guess what happened to that lamb? The lamb paid the price for our sin. The lamb was slain. The lamb was killed. The lamb bled. The lamb was punished for all of my sin and all of my iniquity. I tra- Transferred not just my sin, but the punishment for my sin as well. And that's exactly why Jesus was called the precious Lamb of God. Because not only did He take our sin, He took the punishment for our sin as well. They were both transferred onto the precious Lamb of God who took away our sins. Amen. Well we have to understand, Church. Jesus in Hebrews two nine, as I really begin to wind this down, Jesus in Hebrews two nine it says that Jesus tasted death for everyone. Jesus tasted death for everyone. There's no way we can you can't even begin to understand what his death tasted like. No way. There is absolutely no way we could understand what his death tasted like. There's no way we can understand the bitterness of that cup that he had to drink for you and me. There's no way that you and I could understand in our in our human sense. We see in a mirror dimly. We understand in part right now. But there's coming a time when we stand in front of that precious Lamb of God that paid this awesome price that we will fall to our knees because then we understand the price that He truly paid so that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. We can't understand the price that he paid. We can't understand the, 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 the taste, the bitterness. Jesus drank the bitter cup so that we could drink the cup of life. Jesus felt death sting so that you and I wouldn't have to, church. Jesus went to hell and grave so you and I wouldn't have to. This is what took place on this divine... On the, on the cross of Calvary, it was the divine exchange. Listen, I understand that one day this body is going to pass away. I'm not just talking about this body, this physical, this physical earthly body that, that's going to experience death. It's our soul. Our soul, if we don't know Jesus, will be eternally separated from God. Listen, I know that this will one day pass away. But because of the work of Jesus Christ... When you breathe your last breath here on this earth, your next breath will be in glory. Because of the work and this divine exchange that took place on Calvary's Cross, Church. When when you breathe your last breath here on this earth, no matter what age you are, when you breathe your last here, if you're in the vine and you're in, in Jesus Christ and you've been washed in the in the blood of the Lamb, you shall not die. The Bible says, and your next breath will be in glory. Your next breath will be in heaven. Your next breath will be in the arms of of a loving God. Your next breath will be, or your next breath will be in hell. Your next breath will be separated from God. Your next breath will be in complete darkness. Your next breath will be in this place of punishment. Because, listen, the wages of sin is death. Death. And if we understood that again, it would change our life, church. If we understood that, we'd be knocking on people's doors, wondering if they, they know Jesus Christ. If we truly understood that, we'd be talking to our friends and our neighbors and our family on a regular basis, making sure that they're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because all of us will breathe our last breath here on this earth. And the question is, where will our next one be? and without this divine exchange having taken place in our life and appropriated it in our life our breath next breath won't be where we want it. Jesus paid an awesome price, church. The the reality is last verse as I close. Psalms 137 says with him is abundant redemption. With him is abundant redemption. Put these few verses together and I want you to give I want I want you to understand this. With him is abundant redemption. Jesus came that you might have life and have it what? More uh, uh, abundantly, the Bible says. And you can find scripture after scripture after scripture that demonstrates the fact that Jesus overpaid for you and me. Scripture is filled with evidence and proof that Jesus paid way too much for you and he paid way too much for me. He overpaid, church. And what we have to do... See, see, we get this wrong sometimes. We think our praise and worship should be to earn something. We think sometimes that our sacrifice and our giving and our reading and our praying and all of this kind of stuff should, should be to earn something from God. You know what all that is? You know what your praise should be and what your worship should be? It's, it's the change that God deserves. You see, He overpaid for you and me. And when we begin to realize that He paid such a high price and He overpaid for our salvation, I'm telling you, it changes your life. You come in with a a smile on your face. You come into His presence with a heart of thanksgiving. You come into His courts with praise. No one has to tell you to dance. No one has to tell you to clap. And it doesn't matter what kind of garbage is going on in your life. Because the reality is, God, you paid too much for me. And I'm going to give you back a little praise. And I'm going to give you back a little worship. And I'm going to give you back a little adoration. I, I know I can't pay you back enough, God. But I'm paying you back because you overpaid for me. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Amen. If you're in love with Jesus, I want you to stand to your feet tonight. And this is how we're going to close. It's simply this. God, I know you overpaid. I know you overpaid. You cashed a check that that I should have cashed. And the face value of that check was death. But you, get, you took my check that had a face value of death. And you gave me a check that was covered in your blood. And it offers me life eternal. That is divine exchange number four, church. Life in place of death. If you're here tonight and you say, God, I just want to thank you for life. Lift up your hand. God, I thank you for life. I just want to take a minute to just pray with me and thank God for the life that He's given you. Life eternal. Amen. Father God, I just thank You and praise You tonight, God, for life and life more abundantly. God, I thank You that in in You... We have abundant redemption. I thank you that through Jesus Christ, we've got everything that we need uh, pertaining to life and righteousness. And I pray tonight, God, that you would teach us to live like we're alive. Teach us to live, Father God, like we've been raised up in newness of life. Teach us to live, Father God, like the old man has passed away and that like all things have become new. Teach us to live like we're thankful for the cross. And teach us to praise like we're thankful for the cross. Teach us to worship like we're thankful for the cross. God, help us to to live like we understand The importance, Father God, in the depths of this divine exchange where you gave us life in place of death. Let our mouth be filled with praise. Let our heart be filled with thanksgiving. Let our our life be a reflection of our appreciation for what you did on Calvary, God. And if there's anyone here tonight, God, that does not know you, if there's anyone here tonight, God, that has never come into that relationship with you, that's still living under the curse of death, I pray, God, tonight that they would find life by finding you. I pray that they would come to the altar and speak with me or find someone else, God. That I gave my life to Christ. I need life instead of death. If they need that transfer to take place in their life tonight, God, let it take place and let them have the courage to step out and do that. I thank you for life tonight, Father God. I thank you that you have come that we might have life and life more abundantly. I praise you for it, Father. I praise you that you have power over the enemy. You have power over the adversary. You have power over the thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I thank you for the miraculous divine exchange that took place on the cross of Christ and help us to live it this week. And all through our lives, in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord for life tonight, church? Amen. As always, if you have a special need, if you need life in any area of your life, you want me to pray with you and the prayer team to pray and tarry with you, I'd be happy to do that. Otherwise, go and enjoy life this week. Amen.